are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Bill Goldberg will challenge Drew McIntyre for the WWE title at Royal Rumble 2021. We will get into that in a moment. Plus, a top AEW team pay a lifetime homage to Brody Lee. For Tuesday, January the 5th, 2021, this is your Cultaholic Wrestling News. Congratulations, huh? Should we get him? Should we get him some ice? You're probably quite sore after that battle, right? Congratulations. Even though you, me, everybody, we all know you're not the real champion. But enjoy it. Enjoy this moment. Enjoy it because it only lasts for one night. Because tomorrow. Abushi, I'm taking those, I'm taking everything from you. You say you're going to become God. No, 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 tomorrow I'm going to expose you for the fraud that you are. Every time that you are about to reach the heights that you so desperately aim for, I will always, I promise you, I will always be there to pull you back down. But tomorrow, you still have a vital role, a vital, vital role. When you help me fulfill my destiny, when I become God, when I become IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental champion. 
Cultaholic's Sam Driver is live on the Cultaholic Twitch channel with reactions to Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. Will Kota Ibushi become a 24-hour IWGP champion? Find out that and everything else that's going down from Japan at twitch.tv forward slash Cultaholic. Hold on a second. What? No, what? What the oh, hell? Oh my gosh! It's Goldberg! It is him! The, the icon! The WWE Hall of Famer! Goldberg! What in the world is Goldberg doing here? You know, I was in the back and I was thinking, there couldn't be a better representative to be the WWE Champion. You got size. You got speed, you got athleticism. But the one thing that you don't got is respect. Now I heard what you said, but that's not what you were thinking. Because when you address these guys and girls, these legends up here, you look at them as a bunch of washed up Tired old men and women. In your mind, you think that now in your prime, you were better than every one of them in their prime. You think that not one of them poses a threat to you whatsoever. Now, my friend, my friend, that's where you're wrong. And that's where I step in. It's about respect. So, don't think that I'm coming out here and I'm demanding anything by any stretch. Don't think that I'm coming and posing a threat. No, sir, I am coming to challenge you. And that at the Royal Rumble. All right, I didn't expect any of that. That's not what I said. I think you're trying to get inside my head. Everyone over there, including you, knows Drew McIntyre is all about respect. I'm going to put it bluntly. Think about yourself 20 years ago. That big, indestructible monster full of piss and vinegar taking everybody out. Think back. That's not you now. You couldn't be that guy. You couldn't beat me. Honestly, fighting you would be like fighting my own dad, mate. So, yeah, that was, that was how Raw ended last night. An entire night of wrestling built around the legends of WWE concluded with Goldberg coming to the ring and challenging Drew McIntyre to a WWE Championship match at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, that, that caught us off guard, didn't it? That, so we've been talking for several weeks now about the possibility of Roman Reigns taking on Bill Goldberg. Goldberg going to the trouble of even calling out Roman Reigns on the bump just before Christmas. And it seemed to be that was the direction that everything was going to go in. And last night, as as the Raw Legends came to an end, we had what you heard just there. Bit of an unusual way to end the show. Like a confusing promo from Goldberg where he talks about how 
He doesn't believe Drew McIntyre has respect. Drew McIntyre saying it'd be like fighting his dad. They get into a shoving match as Drew's music plays, and they run out of time. Just a badly timed segment to close out Monday Night Raw. It's funny seeing Goldberg in the ring, seeing Hulk Hogan on the ramp along with other legends, seeing uh, a segment that ran very short a time and ended abruptly following a confusing promo. Oh, it's like Nitro from 1998. Ah, the good times are back again. Uh, yeah, so looks like that's where we're going. Interesting arrangement here. I don't know why we have decided to go down Goldberg versus Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble, no less. You'd have thought this would have been possibly a match that you would save for WrestleMania, unless unless Goldberg's challenging Roman as well at WrestleMania, as well as fighting Drew at the Royal Rumble. Uh, we're going to dissect this a little bit more on Raw Graded on the Cultaholic YouTube channel. You can check that out a little bit later on today. Uh, but yeah, I need to ponder on this a little bit more. Uh, there was uh, a few other legends who were absent from last night's episode of Raw. We saw some names from the past making a return. Great to see Tatanka back in a WWE arena. The good old days. But there was a couple who were meant to be a part of the show that didn't make it. So Fightful are reporting today that as a result of travel issues, Candice Michelle and Carlito were unable to attend last night's Raw. Carlito was one of those names that was announced ahead of time to be a part of it. And one that Adam Pacitti, I know, was really excited to see. But sadly, uh, it didn't come to pass. It would have been the first time in a decade, over a decade, that we would have seen Carlito as part of WWE programming, but it just simply wasn't to be on this night. One of the other legends from last night spoke to ESPN ahead of Raw about how he senses some resentment from the younger stars of WWE. Hulk Hogan, chatting to ESPN, said, Some people I get a really warm reception from. Some of the younger guys are really cold to me. Like, I'm coming to steal the main event. I'm like, I can't do this anymore, guys. I'm not a threat. Going back with all the legends will be a lot of fun. When I've got back before by myself, there have been certain wrestlers like Edge and Seth Rollins that have told me to my face that the only reason they got into this business was because of me. The newer kids, I don't think they know who I am all the way. The wake-up call that really got me was Stone Cold Steve Austin. We weren't really close at all, but over the last few years have become good friends. It caught me off guard when he caught me one day and we were chatting about cars or something and all of a sudden he goes, damn Hogan, I was on the internet the other day and I can't believe all the stuff you did in your career. When Stone Cold didn't realise that I did the love boat and Johnny Carson, then I understood why the young people didn't know. Hogan seems upset the fact that there is a lack of awareness of him, he believes, and also he believes that some see him as a threat. Pretty sure there are some other reasons why some of the younger roster aren't massively keen on Hulk Hogan. I mean, you, you can look those up online. I think that's that's something for you to do today. Yeah, let's do that. We'll break down Raw Legends on Raw Graded later on today on the Cultaholic YouTube channel. And Ross will be here with what will no doubt be a very, very fun episode of WTF Moments.
Marty Skrull has left Ring of Honor. A very brief statement from ROH came down yesterday evening saying simply, Marty Skrull and Ring of Honor have mutually decided to part ways. Back in 2020, ROH, along with many wrestling promotions, launched an investigation into accusations made against their contracted wrestlers and staff during the Speaking Out movement. Uh, there was allegations made towards Marty Skrull, and nothing has been said about those allegations up until now, with the revelation that Marty Skrull and Ring of Honor are no longer working together. Marty Skrull joined Ring of Honor back in 2016. He signed a multi-year deal with ROH in 2020 that saw him joining the booking team of the promotion as well. This is during a time where Marty Skrull looked like he was about to head over to AEW and ROH broke the bank to keep him within the company. He was removed from the roster page back in October. Dave Meltzer had reported that Marty Skrull didn't have a role with Ring of Honor at that time and nothing had been said. Skrull hasn't wrestled for Ring of Honor uh, since uh, the shows got back up and running in August and this is the first that we've heard regarding Marty Skrull that he is no longer part of ROH. When we know more about this, we will let you know more at cultaholic.com. That's gotta be it, I'm sure. One, two, three. The winners of this match, FTR. I got big height on Griff Garrison on that Goodnight Express for sure, buddy. FTR's finishing move, formerly known as the Shatter Machine in WWE, known as the Goodnight Express in AEW, has been renamed for a third and final time. This time in homage to Brody. Lee. It was revealed by FTR online that with the blessing of the widow of Brody Lee, of John Huber, from now on, FTR's finishing move will be known as Big Rig, a dedication to Brody, whose independent nickname before he joined WWE was Big Rig Brody Lee. So it's great to see AEW paying these lifetime dedications to the incredible John Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee. Not only uh, making Brody Lee Jr. the TNT champion for life, promising to sign him to the company when he comes of age. That amazing episode of, a of AEW Dynamite just before the new year. And a wonderful episode of Being the Elite as well that pays homage to him. And this is just another way that wrestlers are showing their love and respect for the life and times of Brody Lee. On the Cultaholic podcast feed later on today, Matthew, Greg, and myself are back in the past for the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review. We took a break over Christmas. We return 10 days out of fully loaded 2000. Lots of stuff going down on Smackdown this week. I'm excited to, to, to get into it and laugh a lot with Matthew, Greg, and you'll hear it later today as well. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Cultaholic Sam Driver as I said at the beginning of this podcast, is watching everything that's going down from Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. Kota Ibushi putting his newly won IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships on the line against Switchblade Jay White. Should be a cracker of a main event. And Sam will be talking all about it as it is happening. On the YouTube channel later today, it's Raw Graded with myself and the WTF moments from Monday Night Raw with Ross as well. 
Leaving you with this today, as there's a very special milestone happening in the wrestling world that we talked about on the podcast feeds. At 86 years to the day, Dano Omani arrived in Boston and he became a breakout Irish wrestling star that very much changed the shape of the wrestling industry. And I wanted to mark that occasion by giving you another chance to listen to a very special episode of Wrestling Curiosities that we did last year, all about the life and times of Dano Omani. If you're not familiar with the name, he will be in about 20 minutes time, I reckon. I will speak to you tomorrow. Don't forget to join us. Love you, bye. I am at Boston's Fenway Park watching Jim Londis defend the World Heavyweight Championship against Ireland's Dano Omani. Nobody in this entire stadium had heard of Omani six months ago, yet here we are, packed to the rafters. A wild crowd coming unglued as the Irish striker strikes back. Will you shut up? We're trying to watch the fight. Right, sorry, sorry. Today on Wrestling Curiosities, I am going to tell you about a man who, despite limited ability, became a world beater. A man who would gain in charisma what he lacked in catch, and a man who would, for better or for worse, change professional wrestling forever. Ladies and gentlemen, fighting out of County Cork, Ireland, he is the unstoppable master of the Irish whip, Dano O'Mahony! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Mizzenhead Peninsula, County Cork, Ireland, 1912. The significance of Mizzenhead was both underground and overseas. 
It was the home to copper mines that brought money into the region. And it was typically the final bit of Europe that wayward ocean travellers would see. In the small town of Dury-le-Main on September the 9th, Daniel and Susan Omani became parents for a fourth time to Daniel Jr. They would become parents three more times after this. We, we can only assume they were building a small army or a football team. The Omanis, as is oft the case with wrestling prodigies, had good genes. The patriarch, Big Dan. I mean, seriously, this guy's nickname is Big Dan. Do I need to go into more detail? Fine, okay, I will. Big Dan was six foot five, seemingly built from iron, and he was a track and field record smasher. By day, he worked on the family farm, along with his wife, their children, and of course, our Dano. Now, Dano had left school at 13 to help out on the farm, but this wouldn't be his life. Oh, no. He would put his strength to great use when he reached adulthood and joined the army. In the early 1930s, Dano moved to County Kildare, where he trained for the Defence Force at Curra Camp. It's here that Dano discovered that he had inherited his dad's athletic skills. He took on all comers on the track, in throwing events, in boxing and in wrestling. Do you know which Omani shone the brightest in? That's right, the hammer throw. You were thinking wrestling, weren't you? Nah, he actually wasn't that into the combat events that he did. But give that boy a metal ball on a wire and a good bit of clearing, he was going to have a lovely time. Despite being nonplussed by boxing and wrestling, he did well at it. Boxing mainly, as he had an unparalleled, undefeated streak in amateur boxing as part of his army regiment. With wrestling, he was good. It wasn't great, but he could hold his own. It was a heady combination of his skill, his ability at fighting, and his handsome features that got him in front of former wrestling champion, now Boston-based wrestling promoter, Paul Bowser. Since retiring from wrestling and going behind the scenes as a promoter in the Boston area, Paul Bowser had changed the game, but now found himself in need of a new star. There was still quite a shoot territorial elements to pro wrestling, despite the fact that the majority of fights, if not all of them by now, were predetermined. And Bowser was locked in a very real rivalry with New York-based promoter Jack Curley. It all started when Nat Pendleton, one of the wrestlers in Curley's stable, lost in a real fight to Bowser's John Pisek putting the world championship in Camp Bowser. Along with promotional allies Billy Sandow and Ed Strangler-Lewis, Bowser kept the belt amongst their guys. However, Jack Curley played dirty and instructed his charge, Stanislaw Sabisco, a Polish powerhouse who deserves an episode of Wrestling Curiosities of his own at some point, to go against the planned finish and take the belt back from Team Curley. This type of shenanigan was actually quite commonplace. We're still in that weird bit where some are taking wrestling very seriously. We're kind of overlapping with Ivan Podubny here, who was a Cossack champion who infamously never played along with the great fix of wrestling. Bowser wanted to right this wrong, but more importantly, he wanted to make money. Bowser had his finger on the pulse of society, and he recognized that New York State, in particular Boston and NYC, had a burgeoning Irish population. Many Irish men and women had traveled to America to seek their fortune, and Bowser wanted a slice of some of their newfound fortune too. 
he put his efforts into finding the next big star. Somebody who could represent the major population of New York. Somebody who people of the Big Apple and the surrounding area could connect with. Somebody who they would pay to watch triumph over adversity. Someone just like them. Someone Irish. An office in Boston, January 2nd, 1935. A desk is near the window. Sat at the desk is the husky physique of former pro wrestling middleweight champion Paul Bowser. On the other side is a well-built, well-dressed, somewhat shy-looking young man, no more than 21. There, after just a few months of training under the guidance of Paul Bowser's frontman Jack McGrath, and after multiple strings were pulled with the Ministry of Defence in Ireland and US immigration, Dano Omani was in the office of Paul Bowser. He had just signed one of the biggest wrestling contracts in history, a five-year deal valued at $100,000. That is a huge amount of money for a young man in his 20s. You're the strongest man in the world, Paul decreed to his new charge. And you're in America looking for international competition. Now, we know how wrestling goes, don't we? This wasn't the case at all. But this is how Paul Bowser had fluffed the press ahead of his mammoth signing. He wanted the whole world to know. No, no, no. He wanted the whole world to believe that he had just made the biggest wrestling acquisition in the history of the sport. Here's the kicker that I haven't told you yet. It wasn't supposed to be Dano Omani. He wasn't the first choice. Originally, once Paul Bowser decided he wanted to make some emerald green, if you get my drift, he cited a slightly older gentleman who had caught his eye at the Olympics, one Dr. Patrick O'Callaghan. Pat is considered to this day one of Ireland's greatest athletes. He was the first Irish athlete to win an Olympic medal representing Ireland as opposed to Great Britain. In 1928, he won the gold medal for hammer throwing at the Games in Amsterdam, a milestone moment in Irish sporting history. An administrative error almost cost him his second gold medal four years later in Los Angeles. You see, the surface of the hammer circle had always been of grass or clay, and throwers wore field shoes or steel spikes. Pat discovered on that day that a cinder surface was to be provided, and he turned up wearing spiked shoes. Despite the handicap, he still managed to qualify with a belter of a hammer throw. When it came to throw again, O'Callaghan had resourcefully found a hacksaw in a groundskeeper's shed and cut the spikes off his shoes. One hearty throw later, and Ireland got gold again. So why did Pat O'Callaghan turn down an offer to embark on a wrestling career? World travel, fame, glory, money, all of that on offer from Paul Bowser. Pat, however, was turned off by the idea of wrestling. He considered it a foolish endeavor and was making great money at his medical practice in County Tipperary, very much his main focus from his side project of being the best hammer thrower in the world. So it was a no from Pat. But he had pointed Bowser's team towards a young man he'd seen showing some masterful skill and charisma at the Curra Camp Army Games. 
that young man, at the encouragement of one of Ireland's greatest athletes, now sits across from the most powerful wrestling promoter in the world. The ink is barely dry before Paul Bowser starts mapping out the professional wrestling career of his Irish ace, Dano O'Mahony. Are you ready for something pretty awesome? A piece of wrestling history was born in the week following this monumental signing. Paul Bowser had recruited a training team for Dano, and it was at one of these training sessions where an important part of Dano's moveset was put in place. So we need to get you a finish, kid. What can you do? A finish? I can post to the crowd to finish, if you like. We're not talking about hot-dogging and grandstanding. We're talking about a finishing move. Like how Ed Strangler Lewis did the stranglehold. I don't want to strangle the guy. I'll get disqualified. What about that whole Chief Little Wolf did in the garden last week? Called it Indian Deathlock, I think. Oh, yeah, he tied that guy up seven ways to Sunday. <laughs> uh, that sounds... Complicated. Well, we don't want to overload that pretty head of yours. Can, can you throw a guy? Are you kidding? I used to throw me brothers around all the time. So if you catch a guy running at you, whip him over your shoulder. That's your finish. We gotta give it a fancy name. What about the Irish whip? Get this guy a can of coke. We have a finish. Yes, lads! Happy days are here again. Okay, so it didn't go down exactly like that. Thank you, Jay Hunter from OSW Review and Alex from Wrestling With Regret. But the fact remains that it was in this training session that the Irish whip was born. Think of all the spine busters and power slams that were given birth to as a result of an Irish whip. If you've ever bounced off the ropes in a wrestling ring after an opponent has thrown you, you do so in gratitude to Dano O'Mahony and his team. We got a guy with a strong look, an exciting finish, and all the hype. The only thing that was missing was wrestling skill. Now, Dano could wrestle. He'd done a little bit of wrestling in the army, but he was he was no world champion material. In seeking out a new Irish star, though, Paul Bowser wasn't fussed with wrestling prowess, something his forefathers would have balked at. As long as Dano could learn a handful of holds, have a big finish, and look good doing it, that was all that mattered to Bowser. Bowser touted Dano O'Mahony as the Irish champion. He sent a warning across the bows to the NWA and the AWA that this young, hungry fighter from a small village on the Emerald Isle was about to become king of the world and would accept challenges from anybody brave enough to step up. Now watch closely and you'll see O'Mahony pin him for the victory. Dano O'Mahony was booked on an unparalleled 49-match undefeated streak now, most guys in the locker room were more than accommodating for Dano Omani's shortcomings in the ring. They would make sure that Omani left the ring looking more credible than he did when he arrived. This behooved them because it meant that if they put on a good match with Omani and they impressed the right people, they could go again and make even more money while strapped to the strapping young man with a rocket strapped to him. Not everybody in the locker room thought this way, though. There were quite a few who were very resentful of the push that Dano O'Mahony was getting. And then there was Dick Schickart, fighting out of Tilsit, East Prussia, Germany, formerly a German Navy soldier and trained to wrestle by the great Tootsmont. Dick was a bit of rough in Toots' stable. He could wrestle, he could sports entertain, 
but he could quite happily take it to you in a real fight as well. If you bumped into him in a night out one night whilst Dick was at the bar and you started telling him that wrestling was fake, you'd end the night looking like you'd worn broken glass and chewed a brick. Sheikart was double, maybe triple tough. And on April the 1st, 1934, he was in a foul mood. Dick was upset that he was constantly booked to lose matches, feeling like he was being overlooked by Toots and the higher-ups within the wrestling body. The goes down, even the referee down on all hands and knees, and he's panning him, lowers the winner. There was also talk that a promoter from New York owed Dick a lot of money at this point, which didn't help his mood. Dick arrived in Madison Square Garden on this night, pretty angry with the world knowing that he would be putting over Dano Omani, the Irish pretty boy hand-picked for greatness. This was the final straw. From the moment the match got underway, those backstage knew something was amiss. Dick metaphorically tore the script up and absolutely leathered this young man. Omani, who had no shoot fighting training and was at the mercy of Sheikart's onslaught of punches, kicks, forearms and elbows, managed to get just one lucky strike in that bloodied the nose of Sheikart. He tried to get the match back on track, hitting Dick with his patented Irish whip finish. But Dick simply stood straight back up and kicked Sheikart firmly in the chest. Concerned that his ribs may be broken, the referee stopped the match and awarded the fight to Dano Omani on grounds of bad sportsmanship. The police even turned up to take Dick Sheikart away. So, yeah, not everybody was enamoured with Dano Omani at this point. Another person unhappy with the rise of the Irishman was Jim Lundus, the reigning world champion. Londos was picked by the Wrestling Trust as their guy. Before Hulkamania ran wild, Londos Mania was running wild. That, that, that doesn't scan as well, admittedly. In his early years, Londos was big box office, and boy, he knew it. He was selective of who he faced and where he did it. He could be quite the bad penny if he wanted to. His position was secured by a $50,000 deposit to the trust. So if or when he lost a match and dropped his title, he would pocket an additional 50K, almost unheard of levels of territorial control. Londos had his doubts about the rising star, Dano Omani. Omani had taken his licks across the country in his first six months. See the pasting that Dixie Cat put on him that we just talked about, for one example. But Londos brushed him off as a flash in the pan. Meanwhile, Londos was defending his title against hand-picked opponents to shrinking crowds, including a shocking MSG match against Dr. Harry Fields that barely drew 4,000 people. It wasn't long after this that he was banned from competing in New York City altogether after refusing to defend his title against Chief Little Wolf. Tensions between Londos and New York City cooled a few months after this. The trust cleared the air after Londos agreed to his scheduled title match with Chief Littlewood, the one he ducked earlier on, and providing he scheduled a championship match to Dano Omani. That brings us back here right where we started. June 27th, 1935, Boston's Fenway Park. Jim Londus is in the fight of his life against Dano Omani. They have been going at it for one hour and 17 minutes. 
Cardano hits a crossbody from out of nowhere. Here is your winner and new world heavyweight champion, Dino Omani. 25,000 people are screaming for a man who six months ago they never knew existed. So why did Jim Londos eventually back down and allow Dano Omani to get the title from him? Well, Londos knew his time was coming to an end. He wasn't an idiot. He could see the writing on the wall. He could see the crowds dying away. He was ready to retire. In fact, it was something he was talking about just a few months before. Plus, as agreed by the trust, he earned $50,000 that night by lying on his back for three seconds stepping out of the spotlight in favour of Dano Omani. Dano Omani left Ireland as a young man with promises of greatness and some mild confusion about the world of professional wrestling. He returned a world wrestling champion and an international superstar. So Dano Omani comes home. And there isn't much doubt that Barry de Hobb isn't pleased to see him. Sadly, Dano's life was cut short by a car crash in 1950. Dano died at the age of 38. The story you've heard today doesn't sound like the life of a man who didn't reach his 40s. This sounds like the story of a man who wrestled into his 70s. A lot of life in those mere 38 times around the sun was achieved by Dano Omani. The legacy of Dano lives on in professional wrestling today. Irish Whip Wrestling in Ireland was founded and named in his honour. They hosted the Dano Omani Invitational every year in an attempt to give a young Irish wrestler an opportunity, not dissimilar to its namesake. But Dano's legacy stretches further than that, and it's part of the wrestling fabric today. You watch WWE, you watch NXT, you watch AEW, Impact, New Japan, any wrestling anywhere. And every single time a wrestler bounces off the ropes and the commentators call the Irish whip, that one's for Dano. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.